Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I like this film, but... <sighs> and I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss The Keep, which released in 1983. Based on the novel by F. Paul Wilson, written and directed by Michael Mann. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows a group of German soldiers who have gone to a keep in Romania to hold the pass during World War II. Led by Jürgen Prochnow, they release something inside the keep that starts to kill off a lot of the soldiers. Gabriel Byrne turns up as an SS officer, Ian McKellen turns up as a historian to study it, and Scott Glenn turns up to help try to kill it. So this film is one of those with a storied background in mm-hmm. studio interference mm. where the, uh, the the guy who wrote the original novel loathed the film. Michael Mann has disowned the film. Mm-hmm. It was ripe with studio interference that just caused friction on set. Uh, sadly, uh, the special effects uh, designer or supervisor passed away, yeah. which left Michael Mann having to do the effects with the with a team that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And uh, what we finally got released in theatres was a critical and financial disaster. And since then, Michael Mann has said that uh, his version of the film was three and a half hours long. Mm. And that the studio cut out two hours and released it without his okay. Yeah. And uh, just completely butchered this film. And since then, it's kind of languished in obscurity. Mm. It's it's played on, on cable TV uh, throughout the decades here and there where a few people have kind of noticed it and latched on to this film because it's been... Fairly difficult to get hold of a copy. This film came out on VHS and yeah. uh, and Laserdisc, and it was only a few years ago that it actually came out on DVD, minus any of the features that you'd kind of want from it. Yeah, and uh, and even then, it wasn't a great copy. There's no Blu-ray or 4K restoration uh, of this, and so it's it's a pretty obscure film. But but, but. I can only mean one thing. Yeah. This film has all the hallmarks right now of deserving that cult movie status yes i i mean this movie for me has a bit of a cult status i remember seeing the poster when i was a kid in the in the video store and thinking man i need to see that and you know i've read about it in in film magazines and things about how they it's just got such a really good story and got some really great acting but obviously the studio involvement is such a fucking shit filled nightmare that you have this go through and so the first time i watched this film i was really excited and then i watched it all the way through and i was like that's crap and then a few oh, about 10 years ago i'd say I, I i watched it again i was like i'm gonna watch the keep again because i i remember certain things being really good and then i watched it and i was like nope that film still got some fucking issues so then when gary said we're doing it for the review i was not entirely happy to sit down and watch it but then when i did after the first two times of seeing it and knowing the problems, I looked past those problems, you know, and I started to really just try to envision what Michael Mann had visioned for us in this film. Oh, absolutely. And he said what he wanted to do was do something that was, I guess, a departure from the source material mm. because he was more inspired by some fairy tales and folklore and wanted to make. A fairy tale for grown-ups. Yeah. But have real 
characters, real characterization, characters that are relatable, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you believe are there, that these things are happening to them, but then have the camera work or the music or the editing or the smoke effects yeah. just transport this ordinary situation into a fantastical fairy tale like interpretation and so with tangerine dream soundtrack <laughs> yeah. that's there after the opening thunder and lightning tangerine dream is there throughout this movie <laughs> yeah. and they are pretty much like a, a living dream in terms of music yeah but i want to know who made that call like we need some music for this incredibly like hostile horror movie set in world war Two. tangerine dream <laughs> well i mean michael mann had worked with tangerine dream on his first feature movie yeah. so i guess you know, they yeah. had the relationship there and uh tangerine dream were one of the holdouts for the dvd taking so long to get released because not only did michael mann go nope you're yeah. not ever releasing this film Again, after what you did to it, and Tangerine Dream going, nope, you don't own the rights to our music anymore, so you can't release it. Oh. So, uh... See, and the, the crazy thing as well, it's like, Michael Mann wouldn't go off and just fuck up his career after this. He went after this to last the... Mo well, well he... no, actually, after the release of this, he hid from feature movies and went straight to working for television. Oh, well, yeah. And true. then had huge success with Miami Vice yeah, a year later. Yeah. And that is what then catapulted him into... Manhunter, Last of the Mohicans, Heat. You know, those three alone are top build fucking great movies. So I I look at the keep and I'm like, oh my God, Michael. <laughs> Why did they fuck with you? Um, but we start with Jürgen Prock now turning up um, at this village. The Dinu Pass in the Carpathian Alps, Romania, 1941. And yeah, you, can, you get it from him, you know, Captain Klaus... He's been through the war, you know, he's seen his soldiers die. He is, he's what we would consider the German soldier who's not behind the Reich idea, you know. He just, he honestly just wants to go home. But here he is, transported with all his men to this great big fucking keep. You know, they've got to, they've got to take it over because, the, you know, the Allies are coming. I, I love the imagery, but... It's like that bridge section where Procknow first walks over and he's looking over the sides and you're supposed to you're supposed to get the idea that across this bridge is the keep separate from the land, but you don't actually see down that fucking ravine well, because until like three quarters <laughs> away through the fucking movie. Well, because there isn't one really. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, again, you're already pointing out the limitations. Yeah. Uh, but they actually filmed all this in Wales. Oh, wow. Uh, in, a, in a couple of quarries there. Nice. Uh, so some pretty good uh, location scouting yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. So when they do get inside and uh, he gets introduced to the caretaker yeah, yeah. and his two sons. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the film where he's just like, yeah, all of my men are going to be staying in here. And he's just like, no. No one stays in here. And he's like, you forbid it? And he's like, no, I don't forbid anyone. No, no. But you won't stay the night. You won't, yeah. Oh, okay, so it's, again, it's the perfect kind of setup where, you know, they're the Nazi soldiers, right? Nobody likes these guys. Yeah, right? they're, they're so, the evil, right? right? So evil's moving into evil. Yeah. Excellent. I hope <laughs> evil wins. Yeah. Ghosts, demons. No, no ghosts here. Death fun. Suicides. No one's ever died here. I mean, I, I like uh, Robert Prosco uh, playing the uh, Farah Forskew, I think it is. And they really should have... Ah, 
given us more backstory on some of the characters that we have. So it's like, like the caretaker, you know, how long has he been taking care of this place? Why is he taking care of this place? What is it? You know, we, we hear from Prognow when he says, look, this keep is built in a weird way that everything is pointed in instead of defending out. And it's like, yeah, there's something in here. But the priest, the you've got a religious priest here who's just like, oh yeah, God and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, uh, then what the fuck is that in the keep? You know, <laughs> how long has this priest been here for doing this yeah. stuff? You know, well, they come across a, a message in the wall, don't they? Yeah, they're just like, well, what does that say? Yeah, well, that's it. We're going to need to get an expert to come in and decipher this. That... But there was one thing I should also. Just go back to what you're yeah. saying about backstory for other characters. Like I said, two hours was cut from this film. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that two hours entailed, but I can imagine it was a lot of character stuff. Yes. Um. So the fact that there is going to be so much continuity issues, character issues, bad edits and sound edits in the film, it's because the studio just hacked away at it to get it down to where it is. So yeah. who knows? And that's it. It's like the first night the soldiers are in there, they notice that there's all these kind of, they look like crucifixes, but they're really like T's, you know, protective around the whole of the inside of the keep. And uh, the soldiers believe it's silver, but, you know, Prochnow explains to them, no, it's nickel. You know, it's it's worthless. Don't bother touching it. And he, he takes one of the guards and sticks him on guard duty, who tries to steal one of the crosses. And, I mean, this is a weird bit because, you know, the music from Tangerine Dream starts to slowly come in. You feel like the evil force is trying to lure the soldier back in. But the soldier walks back in in slow motion, you know, and he's moving in a weird way. And I'm like, what? what what's all this for? Like, there's just no, no build-up. It's the dreamlike eeriness of the place yeah true but he, he convinces his mate to come down and help him so as they're pulling out this this so well they believe it's a silver cross as they're pulling out they pull out this massive huge stone which we know is kind of keeping the evil inside and so then the soldier climbs into the hole and he's looking outside and you see this huge massive huge fucking giant weird cavern thing which you're like it's a pretty spacious prison. Yeah, how does this how does this work on the, the aesthetics <laughs> yeah. of the keep? Because I haven't seen much of the keep, you know. And we see this weird white light thing come shooting up from from the uh, the void, and it, it grabs the other soldier. And so while his mates kind of trying to pull him out, he pulls out like half a body. Right. You know? <laughs> and you're like, oh. oh. Exactly, and as he's panicking to get away, he also gets launched across the room. Yeah, it looks like he's disintegrating. Obviously, it's a dummy. Yeah, but it like it. I know it's a dummy, but it doesn't feel like a dummy. But it does. Yeah. But I was just like, I was just in shock of the power of this thing that it just <laughs> threw these soldiers around like rag dolls. <laughs> And, and this is the crazy thing, because, like, it, the, the film jumps to other things that are going on and will come back. But over this time, we start to hear how more soldiers have been killed here and there, but we just haven't seen them. And, like, I like Jürgen Prochnow as an actor, but he, he also doesn't emote enough in this about the worry he has. I suppose because so much had been cut out 
Possibly, we're, yeah. We're missing those bits. I don't know, he, like, of all of the Nazi soldiers, he, he was the most humane. Yes. And and I know that he, obviously, he we explain this in the film, that he has been in the front lines. He's fought in oh, yeah, several yeah, yeah, wars yeah, yeah, yeah. around. Uh, but he is very anti-war. But yes. I do think he does care for his for the common common he, soldier and common man as well. He does, because I, I, I don't see him as a Nazi. I see him as a German soldier. When yeah. Gabriel Byrne turns up with his SS unit, I'm yes. like, these motherfuckers these, uh, are Nazis. Yeah. Right. You know, and those moments where Gabriel Byrne and, and Jürgen Prochnow are acting against each other over who really is the most honourable soldier, who really is the pure German spirit. You know, Gabriel Byrne fucking gives it his all that he'll shoot women and children for fucking nothing if he if he feels like he needs to where Jürgen Prochnow is like mate you have no clue that's not you are evil and something in this keep is evil and I don't want to be around this evil <laughs> well let's get Gandalf I mean Ian McKellen yeah. we need to get Ian McKellen in this keep oh man <laughs> well like you said they find those words on the wall don't they and the yeah. priest goes uh, I, I, I can't translate them but I know somebody who used to live in this village to translate them so they're like, where is he? He's like, he's in one of your concentration camps. He's yeah. Jewish. Like, oh, well, <laughs> and this is where you see one of the biggest continuity jumps I find is that we see McKellen and his daughter in the camp talking to some, uh, not Polish, uh, they're gypsies, sorry. Yeah. And they're saying about how obviously all these people are being rounded up and, and killed off. And then next moment, they uh, Ian McKellen and his daughter are in a cave with, Jürgen Prochnow and Gabriel Byrne, who are wheeling them to the words. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> what have they got here fast? Beware. <laughs> how, how long's the time jump? How many more people have died? Where do... It's the same thing with Scott Glenn. Right. Scott Glenn plays, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, because I think it's Glaken Trismegistus. Should we just go with Glenn? That's yeah, what I... they call him in the book. Glenn, we call him Glenn, yeah. Because <laughs> it's also his name, so it works. <laughs> So, so Scott Glenn, once the evil has been released, wakes up in bed with his eyes shining bright and you're like, oh, okay, he's not human. But it happens at the same time as the creature's woken up in the, the keep. Yeah. So we're like, okay, the film is telling us there's a connection between Glenn and whatever's in the keep. Yeah, but what the fuck is Glenn been doing all this time while this thing's been in the and keep? That's, it's an interesting mystery. <laughs> like, we don't know if he's as old as the keep, as yeah. old as what's in the keep. Is he a guardian, a protector for it? Is he someone who's just been possessed or chosen? Ex exactly. It's we just don't like, know, but it, it's fine. Like, it's, it's also fine. We know if, if the thing in the keep is evil... And and there's something to counter it. Then we know Glenn is good, right? Kind of, because it's like, how long does it take Glenn to to get to the keep? Well, he has to travel across well, the ocean. We know he gets on a, a boat and yeah. gets on a bike, and he gets there eventually. But he gets stopped by two two German soldiers, doesn't yeah. he? And he just does this eye thing, and they're like, "Yeah, on you go." Yeah, on you go. On your bike. Like I'm holding one of them's holding the other one back, or they're in shock, or. You there was supposed so what to... kind of powers does he have? An yeah. Unknown. There was supposed to be some deleted scene as well where <laughs> yeah. Scott Glenn uh, killed the uh, boat captain. On the way there, for yeah. For trying to steal whatever was in this box that he's carrying. And so it's like, it's like what you said, well, if he's the good guy, why would he do that? You know? For the and... greater good. But it, that's it. Like, <laughs> is he an angel? Is he a spirit? Is this thing a demon? Is it an alien? We don't know. We get the whole... A religious argument between the father the priest um, and Ian McKellen because when he when Ian McKellen first gets there the priest speaks to him 
oh yeah, you used to live in this village all this time. Oh yeah, you know. So I'm like, well, he must know about the keep then. He, he, you know, history would fucking tell us. The caretakers told us that they've been taking care of this for years. And so Ian McKellen's this old kind of frigid, you know, old man. He's dying. He wants. He he's wants, suffering a disease. Yeah. Yeah. He wants his daughter to be taken care of and get out. So the father's the the priestess is like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna. I just brought you here because I wanted to get you out of the concentration camp, and then we're gonna get you to the Black Sea on a boat out of here. Um, but it's when Molassa, uh, the the demon, makes its presence felt that really changes Ian McKellen's character. I feel, you know, because. The daughter gets told, "Oh, you can go to the, um, you can go to the the mess hall, get some food for your your dad and yourself." And so she does. And two of the soldiers attempt to rape her as she tries to walk back. And then the crappiest fucking smoke effect comes flying down the corridor and blows up both their heads. Oh! <laughs> well, I thought the smoke effect was pretty cool. Okay. I, mean, I guess it was reverse, like reverse yeah. photography. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought the smoke effect was pretty, pretty. Interesting. You, you, you yeah, know, the smoke monster moving around. I mean, obviously, we've seen the smoke, and now it's started. Like the more of these uh, officers or German soldiers that it's killing, yeah, the more it's starting to manifest yes, itself yeah. until it takes like a physical shape. But yeah, I, I thought the smoke effect was pretty interesting, and the, I mean, obviously, like I said, we know that the uh, the effects guy. Had yeah, away. yeah, that's it. A, was, that's... Um, Wally Vivers was the guy who passed away, legend in, in the effects industry. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know how much of his effects were completed, or what they improvised, or what they did post production. Yeah, um, but I thought the effects were interesting. It's the fact that there's so much lighting and shadows that when when they're being affected they end up retreating into the shadows you don't really get to see how much was done to them yeah 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 uh, i thought that left some of it to the imagination uh but if but i think you know her reaction to seeing whatever it was that was coming towards her it horrified her more than the yeah. fact that she was just nearly raped as well i i, I like I, I like the effect that we see when it sees McKellen, you know, this smoky orangey eyed thing you know the smoke coming down the corridor was just superimposed um but this this moment between Ian McKellen and, and Melissa where he's just like, you know, you're dying, so I'm going to heal you and I'm going to help you. And he even, he even uh, makes himself out to be a Jewish god because he's just like, they're killing my people. I will go to Berlin and destroy them all. Yeah, but it, it, you need to help me. And I'm like, you're evil. It is I think it is like out of a whole uh, Hebrew tale of a golem. Yes, essentially. yeah, yeah, a golem. Yeah. So I, I see it as a golem and he is rage induced and powerful and lusting for power and strength and so yes. seeing him as this muscle clad golem thing I'm like it's it's the old fable it's the story um yeah. I I thought it was impressive like I'd never realized this before but he's played uh Molasses played by or voiced as well by uh Michael Carter uh now I looked it up now he's the guy in American Werewolf in London who gets killed in the subway Really? Yes. <laughs> and he's also Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi, the tentacle-headed guy yes, who works yes, with yeah, Jabba. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that that for me made me really appreciate this movie even more because he brings this, uh, I don't know, this this identity, this presence to the monster that this thing has been around for a long, long time and it's trapped and, it's and it needs our help to get out. But... We really don't want it to get the fuck out. <laughs> well, no, but it, it, it tells uh, Ian McKellen, like, there's an artifact in the keep that needs to get taken out of the keep in order for me to be able to free myself. Yeah. And so he literally, you know, taskmasters him to go to go and do that for him. Meanwhile, 
Glenn is obviously made his way to to the outskirts of this Romanian camp. Yeah. And in the meantime, Alberta Watson, who's playing uh, Eva, um, Ian McKellen's daughter, has yeah. also been kicked out yes. of here because Prognow's like, it's too dangerous in here, people are dying, yeah. you're going back in the camp. And she ends up in the same hotel room as where Glenn is. And it's just like, well, this isn't awkward where they're just like... Well, yeah. The hotel owner's just like, well, you two, deal with it. Yeah. I'm like, well, this isn't forced at all, is it? Like, two minutes later, they're having sex. I was like, like whoa! <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. you could have cut any sequence out of this fucking movie, it's this fucking sex sequence. Well, I mean, like, I mean, was it needed? Well, I mean, it was, it was way too long. Yeah. Especially as it had no build-up, and I was like, she was raped, almost raped, like, a day ago, and now she's just thrown herself at this guy. I can only assume that Scott Glenn used his magic powers. I'm absolutely, completely convinced it was uh, a seduction, a magic yeah. power, whatever, because there was no relationship build-up, there was nothing. No. No, no flirting, no well, nothing. There, there might have been. We, we just no, 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 that is exactly one thing. I'm thinking a good 20 minutes, half an hour has been cut out of their building relationship, because, well, we'll get into the... Deleted ending scene as well, mm. and uh, the power of love, and carry on, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jurgen Prochnow and and Gabriel Byrne have just been going at each other. Like from what we gather, from what they're telling us, is what we're not seeing is that the evil is still going around, killing soldiers, and and you know, Gabriel Byrne has already killed hostages outside, villagers inside the keep. For every time a soldier dies, he's going to kill five villagers until there's no more villagers left, and so. I love these these two just going at each other. They're both German soldiers. They're both hardworking veterans who were, you know, patriotic to their country. But where one is just what we would consider the embodiment of evil, you know, just wants to kill everybody. You know, Proc now is just like, no, we're supposed to be also helping and protecting people. And, and they just, they, they fill the screen with just such it's, great acting. Yeah. And, in comparison to, you know, you want special effects and you want soldiers to be dying and stuff like that, but we're not getting that. It's the same with Ian McKellen. When Ian McKellen is talking to the monster, you know, like, like Ian McKellen looks old in this. 20 years after this, he'll be fucking Gandalf and he still looks fucking just as he did in this movie. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, Molasser has built up his power. Um, he's told... Uh, Ian McKellen that there's a guy in the village that like he's going to try to stop you from taking the talisman and if you want me to help you you need to stop him so McKellen uh, convinces the soldiers to bring in Glenn from the village and so they go over and they grab him and they're walking along and I love this bit because Glenn turns to uh, Ava and he's just like stay here and she doesn't <laughs> she runs outside and gets him fucking shot <laughs> Yeah, we see him go off the off this ravine, yeah, <laughs> bleeding predator blood all yeah, over the place. Right. Oh. And th that's the thing. I'm like, like, I got the impression that he was an immortal, you yeah. know. But when he gets shot up, when he's on the ledge below, he looks like he's in a lot of pain, and he's he's bleeding. Yeah, like maybe he's rejuvenating. We don't know. The movie doesn't give us this, but he's got to climb back out. So then that gives, you know. Uh, Dr. Curzer, I think Ian McKellen's character, time to climb inside the void part of the keep to look for this talisman. And so while Gabriel Byrne and uh, fucking uh, Jürgen Prochnow are having this great back and forth about who's the better uh, soldier, 
It's their clashing of ideologies yeah. and beliefs as to the way that the Reich should be run. Yes. Whether they're just carrying out orders and for what purpose and why. And we start hearing gunfire and you're like, what's that? So, so Prokno goes for his silver cross. Yeah. And gets betrayed and shot in the back. Yeah. And, uh, and then we watch Gabriel Byrne grab said cross as he wanders outside to look around and see that all of his men have been absolutely annihilated. Oh, yeah. And uh, now, like I said, I've liked the effect of seeing the bodies. Yeah, yeah. Now, just seeing them en masse, like, almost wilted and withered and burnt away, just ash blowing in the wind. Yeah. Some skeletal, some more uh, humane-looking. Yeah, those were but, great effects. Yeah, the yeah I just thought that. it was a great-looking image as he came out, just, like, in shock. Like, yeah. can everyone's dead. Like, the cars have been destroyed. Whatever has been through here is absolutely yeah. annihilated. Absolutely. So, everything. even though I can forgive the fact that I would have liked to have seen that spectacle, I think just seeing it the same way we're experiencing it from his perspective yeah and then of course as we see uh radu molasar the creature and he holds out the cross like oh yeah the power of christ compels you and molasar just like what's that <laughs> yeah it's out of his hand yeah. <laughs> and uh, you you just love it because he takes what you would consider a really evil character and just sucks the life out of him and you're and like throws him away you're just were... like that was great yes. i want to watch that bit again <laughs> I don't know, Gabriel Byrne just lets out such a satisfying death cry. (laughs) Play it again. (laughs) And while Ian McKellen's in the void, he's he's managed to get this talisman. He starts to make his way outside. You know, um, Glenn has climbed up from the ravine. And like I said, after the second time... I now, when I watch it again, I know what's down there at the beginning. And I wish I could see it more. But they, they, they confront in the, the courtyard, don't they, inside the keep. And um, Molisar turns to Ian McKellen and says, kill your daughter. Because his daughter convinces the doctor, look, you cannot take this talisman out. It's evil. You need to stop it. And, you know, Ian McKellen's like, no, no. And Molisar's like, kill her. And that's where the dad realizes, I, hold on a minute, what kind of monster being wants me to kill my own daughter you know how if you're so powerful why can't you take this talisman out and it, you know it's the age-old faustius kind of devil trick isn't it it's like you've been lying to me this whole time using me and he and molossar even takes away all of the energy that he'd been using to rejuvenate um, uh, uh, Ian McKellen and no, I think that's something else that's also missed as well because we see the priest don't we he he argues with McKellen and he rushes back to the uh, church and then when Ava goes to see him he's bleeding from his eyes and you, you're supposed to get the idea that there's this corruption come out of the keep now and it's corrupted the village you know uh, we don't see it but the the caretaker is murdered by his two sons who have been overpowered by Molossar you know the, that's the thing the village looks well alive at the beginning of the movie, by the end of the movie, it's just a set piece. Yeah, you know they're not. Yeah, using see, I, I think most of that was just cut. From, yeah, from by the studio, which and is a shame. It's and it is a real shame because you've got all these things yeah. building. So up. many characters that come into the film and disappear. Yeah, and and so yeah, they they get the talisman to Glenn, and Glenn just whips out this. Well, he's he's taken out with this massive huge pole thing from his box, and he sticks the talisman on the end of it, and Molotov like. That suit at the end, and I know what people are going to say, oh, it looks fucking shit. It's like a Power Ranger costume. Power Ranger costume, (laughs) they should have used CGI, blah, blah, blah. 
the look on his face is shock. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he, looks... he was like, this is how I get defeated? Yeah. Did I just stand here and get shot by this laser beam? Man, he don't get shot. It punches <laughs> through his exactly. But I sit there and I'm like, why didn't you do that the first time? Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> why didn't like like when you had the chance to kill it? I can only imagine that they fought in the void. Yeah, and he, the talisman was broke, kept the Molossar there, and that's when Glenn escaped and yeah built the keep around and hoped that that trapped him. Um, but yeah, the fucking laser through the fucking stomach, the builder. I mean, this whole ending with the music. It's the music that really it's, elevates it. Yeah, 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 it's like a really big epic ending that just. Doesn't really go. <laughs> no, it really underdelivers. Because the film hasn't gone. <laughs> now, I mean, yeah, Michael Mann turned to Paramount Studios and went, "Look, please, can we have some money to make this kick-ass, yes. climactic end battle sequence?" And they said, "No, no, you're in so, budget." <laughs> that's what we got, and it is disappointing, to say the least. And uh, yeah, it's like a good triumph at the end because it turned up with the thing and attached the thing, and because the guy said, "Yes, I won't kill my daughter for this demon." Good wins. Yeah, Molossar like, oh. gets blown back into the keep, um, but Glenn, but Glenn gets, gets pulled in, in with well. it. Yeah. Now, I know I've drunk a lot in my time. Sorry to interrupt. I know I've drunk a lot in my time, um, but I swear I saw a version where Glenn survived. Oh yes, you probably did. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know if I got mad. <laughs> I was just going to say because the uh, the version that we have uh, on this video is uh, we see uh, the doctor and his daughter. You know, on the bridge and the townspeople come out and help pick him up because yeah. obviously he's no he's he is debilitated by his disease now. Yeah. And they get carried away and she turns back to the camera credits. Yeah. Now yeah, there is a filmed sequence that has played on television ah. here and there, which shows well actually there's two different versions. <laughs> one where I'm not sure I couldn't find any footage of this one. Yeah, yeah. Where Glenn wakes up and there was again other deleted scenes where he doesn't know what he looks like anymore. He yeah. hasn't seen his reflection in for however yeah, yeah, long yeah, it's been. Yeah. And he crawls over and he sees his reflection in the water. So which will show because obviously he had no reflection in the mirror yeah, yeah. at one point. So him seeing his own reflection is like, oh it's some think something's changed. Yes. Uh another version has Eva wandering back down all the way into the keep, which takes like five minutes. Yeah. And through the power of love, she brings Glenn back to life. And the two of them get yeah. to have this romance now. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a while, but I was I, like, I was watching this one and I'm like, oh, I was pretty sure he survived. Right. Yeah. You know, but well, the original intention from the director was to have a happy ending. Yeah. And the studio went, now nah, fuck that. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Everybody dies. <laughs> Ian, what were your favourite scenes from The Keep? Oh man, I like I said, my, my first two massive favourite sequences are the sequences between Gabriel Byrne um, and Jürgen Prochnow. I think the two of them are just absolutely fucking astounding. Like the first conversation they have where, you know, uh, Prochnow is trying to explain to Byrne about what's been going on and Burns not buying it. Like, oh, there's not evil in this fucking keep. It's just some villagers going around, you know. And and it's kind it's kind of annoying because you get that sequence where she's almost raped and you've seen two guys get their goddamn heads exploded. But then a couple of minutes later, Jürgen Prochnow comes up and goes, oh yeah, Ava, it's time to leave. I'm not going to show any emotion or even try to understand how two of my soldiers' fucking heads exploded. 
Um, it's the sequence later on as well, just before the big climactic battle, where the two of them are, are confronted again. And this time, Byrne is starting to understand that something funny is going on, and Procknow is drinking his life away. Um, but Procknow is just looking at Byrne like, you're, you're, you're the leader of the Third Reich. You were telling me that you were going to take over, and you were the greatest evil in control, so... You can, can, you can take care of this because I'm just going to sit back. And I'm like, oh man, Jürgen Prock now is just, just so good. I I do, like I said, it's the third time watching it and I probably, I might change the fourth and fifth time if I ever watch again. But the Molossar stuff, you know, I really liked that actor. Um, Scott Glenn, <laughs> like, I want to say his acting was good, but honestly, when he's just stood there like this, Staring eyes, emoting no, no history. It's not like he's a Highlander or anything. Molossar gives me more. You know, I, I want to know what the fuck that is, why it's there, what's its history. Um, the film doesn't give us this. I love the visuals as well. I love the visuals of the keep. I love the visuals of the soldiers. And every time I play Wolfenstein, I think of this. Oh, movie. yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I don't have that many favorite scenes from the film. Yeah. Um, I did love uh, Jürgen Prock now talking to the caretaker at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just getting in all the information and uh, about being forbidden to stay there overnight. Well, yeah. not being forbidden, just forewarned. Uh, I just thought, yeah, all just built everything up just quite nicely there. Uh, of course, I really like Gabriel Byrne's death scene. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play that again. <laughs> I also really like the scene where he, after he kills Jürgen Prochnow from walks out and just sees all, all of the bodies. And mm. again, just the first two that get killed as well, the one that where he pulls out half his body and, yeah, yeah. and gets sent flying across the room. Yeah, very uh, impactful, like, special effects moment. And I did also like the special effects smoke demon <laughs> walking around the crypt. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I honestly think, even though they're probably the, the more some of the more dramatic moments of the film, mm. I thought some of the weakest scenes was actually Ian McKellen uh, and, and his daughter. Yeah. I don't know whether it was the writing or the characters, but it, it like, compared to everything else that was going on, it just felt a bit mundane a little bit like oh you're my daughter and why are you looking after this old man you should be out having a life and i was like you were both in a concentration camp like two minutes ago like how was she supposed to have a life like i don't understand this dialogue i don't understand these characters that's because the studio fucked it up <laughs> right <laughs> well anyway and do you recommend the keep i do but, 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 I only recommend this to people who are willing on actually experiencing a, a movie that is, weirdly enough, a cult classic that deserves a remake, but just suffered so many problems. And, you know, it's, it's lucky we got what we, we got. You know, the acting is great. Michael Mann's a fucking great director. The set pieces are awesome. There's just such continuity problems, such audio problems. And some just dialogue issues that can make the average film viewer go, I'm not watching this, it's fucking bullshit. Um, but if you're a fan of cinema and you've never seen The Keep, fucking hit that shit up. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say right now, we know that The Keep is being remade. Uh, Greg Nicotero is helming this new project, uh, working in tangent with the original author of the book. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we'll get a... Tangerine Dreamback? I doubt it. <laughs> but I do also recommend The Keep. 
as I found it fascinating and beautiful and unpolished and flawed. The story is straightforward, it's easy to follow with interesting characters and a great location. The performances were great, Jurgen Prochnow being the standout here uh, as a soldier who's seen enough of war. He's compassionate and practical and is well balanced against Gabriel Byrne, the vile, evil SS officer who takes over the keep. The characters, for the most part, are well-written, believable and relatable, and contrast strongly with the fantasy horror that ensues. Michael Mann wanted this to feel like a dark fairy tale, and the use of lighting and cinematography and music effectively make the film feel like a living dream or, or nightmare, mm. helped fully by the amazing Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It all combined created an atmosphere of dread and hope and mystery and suspense. Now, the film is not for everyone. Mm. Critics hated it. Mm. Poor financial return as not enough people watched it. It's not in 4K Ultra. It has sound level issues. It's poorly edited. It's missing nearly two hours of scenes. It was disowned by the director, loathed by the writer, and it's getting remade this year. But, if you love Carpenter-esque horror, surreal, dreamlike, Lovecraftian nightmare horror about a group of Nazis being killed by a golem in a Romanian keep, this is what cult movies can look like. <laughs> a great diamond in the rough. Look past its many flaws, and I'm sure you'll want to keep the keep. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, okay? Like, this film's tagline was like a page long. So, I did a pun. Shit, that's good. I, I, I like puns. Should we keep it? Yeah, alright. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.